0: Hey, what is up, Sermon Podcast listeners? This is Pastor Adam back with you again. Wanted to give you an update on all the new things that are happening here at VBPH Sermon Podcast. Want to begin by saying how much we appreciate you, the listener, for allowing us to make these changes so that we can be a blessing to world evangelism. If you hadn't heard, in the last week we had... uh, Begun to put out some uh, advertisements on the podcast. The reason being is that that is a very easy and simple way for us to generate some funds uh, just by you playing this podcast. And if you didn't hear that, uh, the reason for that is because we are going to use everything that this podcast produces is going directly to the cause of world evangelism. And so uh, we want to see how much of a blessing we can be to nations and missionaries around the world just by you listening to a few um, advertisements during the sermons. Uh, That will immensely help us to be able to raise some funds. And just to give you a heads up of what is possible, in the last week, just by you listening, we were able to generate $20, close to $20, uh, just by adding those simple advertisements uh, to our sermon podcast feed. So that is the reason for that. And we also want to just update you with this major change. So we now have in place the ability for you to become a premium subscriber. All of the links are going to be in the show notes if you are interested in this. So what this is, we are producing now a version of the podcast that has zero ads. It has zero extraneous content like intros or outros. It is simply a daily podcast that is going to show up in your feed. And uh, so you can get directly to the sermons that you love so very much. We want to give you two options. For this premium podcast, we promised that we were going to provide a $3 a month version of this premium podcast, and that is now live and ready for you to subscribe to. The link that you're going to use is vbph-sermons.supercast.tech. Now, I know all of you are uh, waiting on bated breath with pens and pencils and paper in hand. Uh, but the easier way, of course, is just look at our show notes. You'll find that link right at the top, vbph-sermons.supercast.tech. When you go to that website, you're going to have a very easy way to put in your credit card information. It's a seven-day free trial. You're going to get to hear what subscribers hear on a daily basis. And for three bucks a month, you can have seven sermons per week directly delivered into your Podcast feed, and uh, no no ads, no fluff, just the sermons that you love for three bucks a month. We also do have some options on there if you want to prepay for a year, uh, save a little bit of money. uh, That also will help us. Then uh, the other big option that I'm very excited about is for Apple Podcasts. So as you may or may not know, if you are an Apple device user, if you are on an iPhone, iPad, or on a Mac listening to your podcasts, Apple has just updated their podcast app with the ability for podcast producers like us to provide subscriptions uh, to our listeners. So I am very pleased to let you know that we are now live up and running with a subscription-based model Within Apple Podcasts, we know that about three-quarters of you are listening to this right now on an iPhone, and most of you are listening through the podcast app, the, the native Apple Podcasts app. So uh, what that means is it is especially simple for you to become a subscriber. Um, the only downside to that is that we uh, our, our goal was to raise $3 a month per subscriber, uh, but unfortunately, Apple takes a big chunk out of, uh, out of that subscription. So uh, they, for every dollar that you pay as a subscriber, Apple is taking 30 cents. So that is a 30% cut just for providing the platform. So because of that, what we did was we, uh, we upped the monthly subscription cost, specifically on the Apple Podcast app, to $4.99 per month. There's also a yearly option. And so that way we are still generating that $3 a month, at least, that we had set out to do in the first place. So if you want to give Apple the extra money and you just uh, the convenience of having it there uh, in the Apple Podcast app, it's so simple. Your payment information is already there and ready to go. So for a convenience factor, it's amazing. But it is a couple extra bucks per month. And so we just wanted to explain that to you and let you know that that is available. So we hope that that is a blessing to you. The other thing we wanted to announce is our current goal that I think is very feasible and I think would be a huge blessing Our goal is to begin producing $100 a month toward the cause of world evangelism. And the good news is that in the short time we've had these subscriptions up, we are already raising $10 a month, and we think that we can very easily get to $100 a month uh, toward world evangelism. Wouldn't that be amazing that just through your subscriptions and through your listenership that we can, can begin raising money that will be a blessing to uh, the nations, to missionaries, to our mother church, and to the cause of world evangelism. Uh, Would you join us in that? We would be so grateful. And hey, if you don't want to pay and you want to get the three sermons a week, man, that is awesome too. We are so glad to have you as our listener. No matter what level of support you are providing, we love you, we thank you, we appreciate you for being a listener of this Sermon Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. We hope you're getting inspired. We hope that God is speaking to you through these messages. And we are very excited to continue to provide this platform of sermons for you for the next coming weeks, months, and years to come. God bless you guys. We're praying for you. We appreciate you so much. Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages every week. These powerful messages are sure to inspire you and keep you on track. Whether it's our late founder, Pastor Wayman Mitchell, or any of your favorite fellowship leaders worldwide, including Pastors Joe Campbell, Paul Stevens, Mark Olson, Tom Payne, Harold Warner, Richard Ruby, and many more, Get ready to hear from God through this message.
1: First, John, the first epistle of John, chapter 2. I was reading yesterday in the West Australia, I think it was a headline story on some $15 billion that uh, Australia is going to uh, invest in Australian-built submarines. They're going to be the centerpiece of the uh, defense uh, the federal government br- blueprint is putting out and uh, this is going to shore up the the uh, nation's defenses and provide uh, high-tech na- naval deterrence and I was I was uh, interested in this against Indonesia and China uh, this uh, uh, brought me to a consideration of the world and the time in which you and I live. We live in a very dangerous world. How many of you know that? Very, very dangerous. And uh, what's happening today in nations is they no longer uh, have just a single front or a single conflict that they need to prepare for. Uh, Many nations are involved in a coalition in the Middle East, in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other security that is there. But there also is another reality that this is all about, and that is that uh, Australia is very nervous uh, about the military capabilities and the posturing of China and Indonesia. And they, uh, uh, in a second article, it notes that uh, they become very concerned about the United States of America, who has been a uh, military power that they could depend on. They're becoming nervous about their capability uh, that And so they have begun to see that our own security in Australia is going to demand we be prepared not only, I think uh, there's some 1,100 uh, Australian uh, military force in Afghanistan, but they're seeing that we better be prepared for what may transpire uh, in the capability of Indonesia and China. So this brought to my mind a a very interesting parallel because you and I as believers, we're engaged in more than just one front in the uh, survival. And we're actually engaged on three fronts uh, that I want to bring to your attention this morning as we look into the Word of God. Three arenas that we are engaged in in conflict. One of these is the world the second is the flesh, and the third is a conflict with the devil. I want to read First John 2, if you'll follow with me, beginning with verse 13. I write to you, fathers, because you've known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you've known the Father. I've written to you fathers because you've known him who is from the beginning. I've written to you young men because you're strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Verse 15 with me, look for a moment. Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world, and the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God uh, abides uh, forever. I want to preach to you this morning on winning with prayer. I want to uh, underline these three arenas that we're going to have to be involved with in this spiritual conflict uh, as we're engaged uh, in prayer. First of all, I want to uh, fasten your attention on the arena of the world uh, or the conflict that you and I have with the world. When you use the Bible word, it is a Bible word, cosmos, it's a Greek word. It literally means this present world system organized uh, without God and many times uh, opposed uh, to God. Society has many dynamics that are at work in society, and who knows when we when we uh, read the news, when we see the various process, who knows the various dynamics that are involved and the uh, elements uh, that are cir- uh, circumstances that uh, that are exploited in this present world system that are against uh, the uh, kingdom of God and the purposes of God. I was uh, quite interested, I was pondering and meditating upon this, that a lot in the news today about uh, economics. And uh, as you're talking about economics, this present world system is integrated with economics, and Australia for the moment is coming to grips with uh, the uh, mining industry, the natural resources, which it naturally should be, and marketing those. But I was quite interested uh, Uh, because they're building submarines and this article said they've contracted for six which is going to cost 15 billion another article a leader says that we're going to need twice that 12 uh, submarines Uh, and at the very time that they're uh, uh, they're uh, manufacturing these so they can strategically position themselves against the possibility that China may invade or, or China may move uh, in, an e- in the military realm, we're uh, uh, pondering an, a huge invasion on the economic side. China's making a huge invasion in economics. Now... Think with me for a moment, because when you're talking about this present uh, world system or the economics, you have to take into consideration politics. Uh, you have to consider, uh, take into consideration economics. You have to take into consideration laws of the land. This is the present economic uh, and uh, political uh, and, uh, and social structure. Uh, And when you take into consideration then the world, the Bible says uh, that you and I as members of the kingdom of God are often in conflict with, and we have to engage the world and we must survive. He writes about overcoming the world. And so as we ponder this for a moment, uh, prayer is something that transcends this present world system. When you deal with prayer, you are going beyond the limitations and the limitations and the borders of this uh, present uh, uh, system, and you're engaging a spiritual dimension. And in verse uh, uh, 15 here, talks about transcending the world, uh, and to do that, uh, we're going to have to think about the subject of prayer. In the book of Luke, chapter 11, verse uh, 13 How much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them uh, who ask Him? Now we're talking now about transcending this present world system uh, in a spiritual dimension on a higher level. uh, And the essence of prayer, of course, uh, records uh, that we engage that dimension in the book of Revelation 1 verse 10. John says, I was in the Spirit uh, on the Lord's day. Now, the reason that he was in the Spirit was that he was praying. And as he's in praying, suddenly a dimension began to be released, uh, and he relates that, uh, that he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15, the Apostle Paul says, What is the conclusion then? I will pray in the Spirit. So here we have a, an arena. We have an engagement, and that engagement is the world system uh, in which we live. Uh, And if we're going to survive as believers, we're going to have to go beyond uh, the limitations of this present world as organized uh, without God. Romans 8 documents uh, this this, uh, interesting dimension, and he says we don't really know, we don't understand in our own personality, our own intelligence, what it is that we should pray for. But God knows, and the Bible says, that the Spirit makes intercession for us, and it relates that to us. And again, Jesus said, whatsoever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. So now we're talking about a spiritual dimension that is gained in prayer, and Daniel brings us some reality in this arena behind the scenes. Daniel is in prayer while he's there. Uh, God speak to him the angel Gabriel comes to visit him And relates to him uh, that, Daniel, there is a reality of a spiritual dimension uh, that is beyond what you're seeing in the government of of, uh, Babylon. And I'm going to come to bring you an understanding of this. And again, Paul is caught up to the third heaven as he's in prayer. And he says he heard words that are uh, unlawful to be uh, uttered. And he relates to us uh, this uh, glorious experience that happened uh, as he moved beyond this world system in prayer, and undoubtedly, uh, the tremendous ministry that Paul had as a world evangelist was linked to this experience uh, that he had when he was caught up, uh, and he saw the realities uh, of uh, the heavenly kingdom uh, that is beyond this er earthly kingdom, Uh, and again, Peter is praying in Joppa on the housetop. Acts 10, verse 9 says, the next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the house top to pray about the third hour, and as he did that, a vision comes to him, and he sees a spiritual reality that God's relating to him. This happened to him, changed the course of world evangelism. It happened as he's in prayer. When Jesus was in the garden, he's shortly going to Calvary, The Bible says as he's in the garden, an angel came and strengthened him as he's in prayer. And so now we're dealing with uh, this uh, cosmos, this present world system. uh, And if you're going to transcend that, uh, you're going to have to uh, become involved. Uh, If you're going to overcome the world or this present world system, you're going to have to engage uh, a dimension that's only engaged in prayer. Secondly, I want to talk to you about... uh, the flesh. You and I are called to engage the arena or the conflict of our own flesh. This is used a number of times in the Bible. You need to catch a, 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 an imagery of this if you're going to properly understand. And when we're talking about the flesh, we're talking about our lower nature, unredeemed and still linked to that fallen nature. As I said to the men yesterday in our men's discipleship, you're talking about the enemy uh, within. I use the imagery when we uh, do the uh, Seven Churches of Revelation tour. One of the places we stop by is the ancient city of Troy, the ruins of the ancient city of Troy. If you are a student of history, you'll know that there's a love triangle, Helen of Troy, and so on. And the Trojans come to invade out of that conflict, invade the city of Troy they're unable to breach the walls. It's well fortified. And being unable to breach the walls, they uh, used a ploy. And what they did, they had constructed a large wooden horse uh, and they left it before the walls, uh, of the gates of the city. Uh, the uh, the uh, uh, defenders of Troy thought that they had defeated them. And this is simply an indication and a symbol. We're leaving this there. Uh, In the process of time, they took that large wooden horse uh, inside the walls of the city of Troy. uh, And uh, Homer says uh, in in, in the Iliad, he relates uh, that in the dark of night, the soldiers crept out, uh, killed uh, the guards that that, that guarded the gate of the city, opened the gates, uh, and the Trojan army invaded, uh, and Troy fell. Now, whether the details are all exactly correct, I'm not sure, but this gives you and I an imagery of the enemy within. The enemy within, we are saved. Yes, God has washed us in the blood. We are born again. But the elements of that Lord nature are still yet remaining. And you have to gain dominion over that. And that is the enemy within. And we must engage this morning that dimension which is the flesh. Paul spells this out in Galatians 5. Nineteen. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, uh, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, uh, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries and the the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not uh, inherit uh, the kingdom of God so here we have sin the sinful nature that has dominated uh, and if a person is not engaging their flesh in a dimension of the spirit of God uh, they will not survive uh, and we're dealing with sin in human expression uh, without uh, the uh, without these things the world would be a lovely place to live can you say amen if we could do away with what I've just read, it would be a wonderful place to live. The grass would be greener. The stars would be brighter. The sky would be bluer. But we have a reality, and we have to engage those dimensions. I want to tell you that it is prayer that strengthens you that you can overcome that. Listen uh, this morning to Matthew 26, 41. Jesus is in the garden. The disciples are in the school of learning. As he's in the garden, he comes out. He found him fast asleep. He said to them, You stay here and pray. I'm going over there and pray. He comes back a short time later. As he comes back a short time later, the disciples. He said, Couldn't you pray one hour? Oh, well, yeah, okay, yeah. He goes away and prays again. He comes back as he comes back again. Human nature is revealed in the Word of God. It is not covered over. Can you say amen? Could you not pray one hour? When he says this, he relates to them in Matthew 26, 41, this tremendous truth, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So here's the imagery of the Christian Christian And it's Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 that gives us the imagery of the Christian soldier. He draws out all the armor, which is a parallel of the Roman soldier and the Roman army. Uh, And then he ends that uh, with this admonition, praying always. Prayer is how we overcome uh, the flesh life. In other words, we build ourselves up to the strength that uh, the flesh does not overcome us uh, and begin to dominate and rule our lives. In Jude 20, uh, it's Jude who says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, or in other words, it is in prayer, that we exercise our spiritual muscles. uh, And as we exercise our spiritual muscles in a moral dimension, uh, then we're able to conquer uh, these appetites of the flesh, uh, and we survive. And it's the Apostle Paul who writes about a thorn that he has in his flesh. We're not sure what that is. Theologians are still pondering what that may mean. But he says these words uh, in the book uh, of... of, uh, Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And he said to me, God spoke to him, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmity that the power of Christ may rest on me. Uh, But he writes that... uh, out of uh, an activity of prayer when he's uh, laying hold of God, saying, God, I'm looking for uh, uh, your help. Uh, and God strengthens him and speaks to him uh, while he's in prayer. And this grace becomes a dimension uh, and an element, uh, and experience that enabled him to overcome uh, that temptation uh, in his life. Now, the inner man, let's bring this to a conclusion. The inner man is made strong this morning uh, through the exercise uh, of prayer that the flesh will not dominate our life. How many of you know that a Christian ought to be a different person? Can you say amen? A Christian ought to be a person... uh, who has survived uh, in the temptations of life, uh, and as they have survived, uh, they are able to live a Christian life successfully and these appetites not dominate. In his Ephesians 3.16, uh, he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might uh, through his Spirit uh, in the inner man. It's the inner man that God is looking to strengthen. In Colossians 1, verse 11, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power uh, for all patience and long suffering uh, with joy. Uh, and in Romans 13, verse 14, uh, he says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh uh, to fulfill uh, the lust uh, thereof. It is prayer that helps us walk in the Spirit. Many people have a wrong understanding they have the concept if you're walking in the spirit you're walking along about six inches above the ground uh, and you're not really connected with life at all that is not what it means to walk in the spirit what it means to walk in the spirit means uh, that you are led by the spirit uh, or you're controlled by the spirit and paul writes uh, in galatians 5 16 i say then Walk in the spirit uh, and you will not fulfill uh, the lust uh, of the flesh. So if we begin to understand that for a moment, we're talking about an exercise or engaging our flesh, uh, as it were, in a moral dimension, uh, strengthening our spiritual muscles through faith uh, that we're able to overcome, exercise uh, through faith uh, for deliverance uh, that the flesh not rule over us. Uh, but that's one arena or one engagement or one conflict uh, that Christians are going to have to engage. The third thing I want to talk to you about is the devil. This is the third front uh, or the third arena. We're not just engaged on one front. If you're preparing just for one front, you're going to fail. Three fronts we're involved in, the world, the flesh, uh, and the devil, and you have have to take that into consideration. Strategy this morning is the key to victory. The Bible uses much uh, military imagery, uh, and so we want to pick up on that for a moment because strategy uh, is the key to victory in the spiritual life as well as it is uh, in secular life. In any conflict, strategy uh, is what's going to enable an army to survive and to win. It was Napoleon a military genius, who made this statement. Napoleon said in any conflict, uh, the, uh, the victory does not depend necessarily on superior numbers. It not, does not necessarily depend upon superior uh, equipment, etc., But he says there is a 15-minute period in any conflict uh, that is strategic to the winning of that battle. The commander who is able to recognize that and commit his forces to the conflict uh, will win in that conflict. Uh, And Napoleon wrote those words many years ago and is still true uh, uh, today. So as we begin to consider that, we need to think about strategy. There is a strategy that is involved when you and I are engaging our conflict with the devil. A rich lesson comes out of history in the seven churches of Revelation. One of the places we go is Gallipoli. Gallipoli is well known to Australian and English history. It is a place of uh, of, uh, of, uh, of uh, terrible and discouraging mistakes that were made there. Turkey uh, is a country that came out of that conflict uh, and one of the heroes was Kemal Ataturk. This man was a military genius. He was one of the commanders there. It was in Gallipoli that he was catapulted to the forefront and became the leader and the, modern fa- the father of modern Turkey. One particular battle is very significant in that that had to do with strategy. The English, the Canadians, the, uh, the Australians were uh, involved in normal uh, process of life. They were drinking tea. They were, they were uh, taking photographs. But Kemal Ataturk knew that the deciding battle was coming in a certain strategic point. He began to move his uh, armies uh, to that place uh, and as he began to move his armies toward that place, they are dead tired. They have, they want sleep. They want simply to rest. They're dead tired. And he keeps them marching. And he said to them as they're wanting to stop and sleep, if you sleep tonight, you will never sleep again. He knew that that battle was coming but the commanders of the Allied forces did not realize that. He marched his armies to that, got in position at that strategic moment, and that battle was key to turning uh, the war to his advantage. Uh, and through that, four armies were defeated by that one strategic moment uh, of Turk. Now, this has an application for you and I. You and I are engaged uh, against a very wise, a very old, and a very canny uh, Enemy, it's the devil. Prayer this morning is a spiritual intelligence battle. In other words, we can have a great deal of religious activity, but unless that is strategic, then we're not going to win the battle or we're not going to gain the victory that we need to have. Peter writes in 1 Peter 4, 7, these powerful words. Write it down. Be sober. Watch into prayer, and in those words uh, he brings to us, it is in prayer that we understand uh, and give an understanding, revelation through the Holy Spirit of the tactics of the devil uh, and where we need to position ourselves uh, in order to gain the victory in that conflict uh, because this is the issue, and in Second Corinthians 2, verse 11 uh, says, lest Satan should take advantage of us uh, because we are not ignorant of his devices or his uh, stratagems. So here we have the Word of God, and in the Word of God we have this imagery, uh, and this imagery is that prayer isn't just something that we kneel down, isn't just something that we enter into as a religious exercise, uh, but there's a spiritual dimension involved, and that spiritual dimension is that we understand what the devil is doing, uh, where he's at work, uh, and we move a counter-spiritual movement to to counter that. Habakkuk uh, in the Old Testament says some very interesting words. He said, I'll stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what God will say to me. Now, as he's doing that, he's giving us the imagery of prayer. In other words, this is a military uh, uh, imagery. In other words, I'm going to rise up and see so that I can see what's happening. And he said, I'm going to do that in prayer in a strategic spiritual realm so that I can see what it is that God says to me uh, about what I need to do and how I need to position myself. In the book of Daniel, uh, chapter 2 and verse 28, says, there's a God in heaven who reveals secrets, How many of you know, that? how many of you believe there's a God in heaven? He knows, he understands everything that the devil is about. He understands the world. uh, He understands our flesh. uh, But over and above that, he understands the enemy that has come against us to kill and to steal and to destroy. And he knows how we ought to position ourselves. And there's a rich history in the Bible of God revealing the secrets uh, for survival. In the book of 2 Kings chapter 6, uh, The Bible says uh, that there is a prophet of God. His name is Elisha. And the king of Syria has attempted to invade Israel uh, uh, several times. Uh, He's finding out where their strength is. He's gone there, but when he gets there, there's nobody there. And he he can't figure that out. And he said, uh, now, wait a minute. Somebody here is a spy. And they're telling Israel where we're going to attack and where that's going to happen. And then a wise man said to him these words in 2 Kings 6, verse 12. uh, One of his servants said, No, my lord, O king, but Elisha... The prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. He said, that's not what the problem is. The problem is, there's a prophet, there's a man of God there, and uh, this man of God has a revelation from uh, from the Lord of the enemy, and he's speaking that in warning, you whispering in your bedroom. But he's revealing to him uh, exactly what you're about and what you're doing. Uh, and it's Amos 3, verse 7, uh, who says, surely the Lord God does nothing... Uh, unless he reveals his secret to his servants, uh, the prophets. So we're talking about prayer this morning. As we're talking about prayer, it's a prayer life uh, that furnishes the dimension that gives strategic positioning uh, and understanding, and if we could say strategic intelligence to the people of God that enables them to counter uh, the actions of the devil. I think I preached last week, used the illustration of Philippians chapter 4, uh, where it says, be anxious for nothing, and all things by prayer and supplication. Uh, make known your request to God. And then he says, and the peace of God that passes all human understanding shall guard or shall garrison your hearts uh, through uh, Jesus Christ uh, our Lord. A number of years ago, I was in prayer. I still remember the day. Uh, this uh, doesn't happen every day to me, but I was in prayer on the platform in Prescott, Arizona. As I was in prayer, the Lord spoke one word into me. It, it was in my spirit, in, my, in my, my inner being. It wasn't a loud voice, but that word was "No gallus I didn't even know where Nogales was. Nogales is a city in southern Arizona. It's on the border with Mexico. There's Nogales, Arizona and Nogales, Mexico. And he simply spoke into my spirit, Nogales. I was puzzled by this. I had no contact, no understanding, never been there, knew what it was. I went to a map and looked this up on there. And I took my family. We took a little three-day vacation and went down to Nogales, Arizona. While I was there, I was quite interested in observing on the, on the American side. It's a very small town, probably uh, maybe 10,000 uh, people or if even that many. Uh, on the other side is probably, uh, at that time, was probably 500,000 to 600,000 uh, on the Mexican side. Uh, I went down. Uh, my family, little, we stayed in a little uh, crummy motel there. I, I took a little drive across the border into Mexico. I'm terrified. I mean, you can see immediately, and there's spiritual dimensions over there. And I drove about two or three bucks, turned around, came back. This was a foreign country. At that time, we had no missionaries in a foreign country, and uh, and uh, this was a, this was. A, you have to understand where I was and who I was. But out of that trip and that impression. Uh, uh, I planted a church uh, in uh, in, Prescott, uh, in Nogales, Arizona uh, intentionally to do that, but they wound up planting a church uh, in uh, Nogales, Mexico out of that. Uh, this was a strategic time. Today, we have 240 churches in Mexico. I can't describe to you how... Uh, how uh, mystifying that is to me. Here I am praying in a little city in in northern Arizona. I'm praying there. God speaks a word into my spirit. I go down out of the dynamics that have been there. Here we are uh, uh, these few short years later, 200 and forty congregations are functional uh, in the nation of Mexico today. Some have been put into Central America. Some have been put into uh, 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 into uh, uh, Chile, and uh, and uh, others in, in central parts of uh, of uh, of, uh, of the of the Americas. Uh, and that all came out of a strategy. Now, the reason I'm telling you this story is because you and I seated here this uh, this morning, there's more involved uh, in being a Christian, there's more involved in being a congregation than just simply being involved, at worshiping God, we ought to do that, uh, assembling for preaching, we ought to do that, but there is a strategy that God has that has an eternal strategy that involves precious souls. Uh, we will never rise uh, to the occasion uh, unless we begin to enter a dimension where God can speak to us uh, and we can obey uh, his voice. I wonder this morning as you're sitting here if that takes hold uh, upon your heart uh, as it does upon me, even as I'm repeating it here many days later. You're sitting here this morning. I know that you love God, most of you. You, are, uh, you want to serve God in his will, most of you. But many of you have not slightest clue what the will of God is uh, or how he could use you or position you, but God knows. And you will never come into the conflict uh, with the powers of hell that uh, holds your loved ones in bondage. You will never come into grips with the reality of entering that arena with God's strategy to reach your family, to reach your city, to plant churches, to, to begin to evangelize the world unless God can move you beyond the powers of darkness that blind your mind. The Bible says that the devil blinds the minds of human beings. And you'll never have that strategy unless God can move upon you and reveal to you His will. I want every head bowed and every eye closed for a moment as I draw this service to conclusion and the presence of God fills this place this morning. Every head, please, bowed, every eye closed.